everybody, welcome to The Highlight Show. This is a show within our show where we sit down and talk to people doing really cool stuff. It could be someone starting a restaurant, it could be a youth group, it could be somebody who has just gone through something hard and has a really cool story to tell. We sit down with them, we pick their brains, and we glean what life lessons we can learn from their journey. Give it a listen. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, We are here for Highlights. And I'm sitting next to David. David, why don't you do us a quick favor, give us a quick introduction, and we'll just jump into the conversation, man. Yeah, absolutely. My name is David Wolfwood. I am the general manager of the number one Brazilian jiu-jitsu academy in the entire state of Arizona. Mm -hmm. I also am the number one bartender, private bartender here in the state of Arizona as well. Uh, got my certified uh, blue check on Instagram for that. So th- yeah, so that was nice. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and then I also uh, coach Muay Thai for Lotus Club Fighting Fitness. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, which is that's how I met you, right? I'm taking yes. the, my girls to Lotus Club. Yep. And uh, the thing that, like, I know you've heard this a hundred times, but, like, the impression that you leave is that you remember everybody's name. Oh, thank like, you. Like, it's... A, it's it's like Rain Man level <laughs> memory of people's name. I don't under, I don't get it because like I don't remember anybody's name. So it it's unique for me when like you walk in. I, like I'd met you once, yes. right when we yeah. signed up, and then came in the next day and it's like, hey Brandon, hey Brooklyn. And I was like, oh my god, he remembers everybody's name. Yeah. Like that's that was bonkers, but it it's real because it's an experience. Like it changes the experience immediately. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so have you always had that kind of memory or like? Where does that come from? That's it, it, it came from growing up uh, in the islands where, like, it's such a small area that everyone is auntie and everyone is uncle. So, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you end up knowing everybody uh, mm-hmm. back home. So Where is home? Samoa. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm from Western Samoa. So, that is uh, near, uh, it's in the, uh, uh, in the ocean of the South Pacific. It's near New Zealand and Australia. Okay, okay. Uh, with that being said, though, that's kind of how it developed rather now coming in here you know we're in lotus club currently as it stands we're almost at a thousand students holy cow and i know almost no i can confidently say that i know all of their names right yeah right and it 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 takes for a personal experience Mm -hmm. and not only that it allows you to have a personal touch to uh, to the academy yeah. you yeah. know yeah the the culture inside because like we sit at the bar yeah. area and we you know read or work or whatever and i just listen to it and there is such a distinct culture in there even amongst like the families and the students and everything like that and it 100 starts walking in the door yes and then you know their name like it yeah. it sets the tone when everybody goes in there so it, it's that's cool. So how did you end up here from there? Like, that's that's quite the long journey. Oh, oh yeah. So I used to write music. So that's, that okay. was, yeah. So that was a big thing. I used to write music when I was a teenager. And I worked for a company out in New York. Uh, and so I used to write music and I was sending out to the company. So mm. I was subcontracted by, uh, by that music industry in okay. New York. Uh, right when I turned roughly around in 2014... Or 2013, going into 2014, they flew me out to go live there. Oh, wow. Uh, Yep. But on my way to New York, I had to stop to come here in Arizona. And I had like a day 
to like mm-hmm. uh, before I go uh, go to New York. So I ended up like traveling Arizona, try, uh, trying to see what's out there. Yeah, because I've never been to America before. Right. Like after that, I mean, minus California, but we'll get to that uh, in another time. But uh, I never been here in Arizona. I found a ninety nine cent store. Mm-hmm. That's where like it blew my mind. Like ninety nine <laughs> cent store, especially from a, from a guy from an island that's we don't have ninety nine cent stores back home. Sure. You know. So this is, mind you, this is in 2013. I walk inside a 99 cent store and I saw that there was milk for 99 cents, a gallon of milk. (laughs) And like, it may sound funny now, but at the time in 2013, a gallon of milk in Samoa was $15. What? So to see a gallon of milk for 99 cents was mind blowing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I asked uh, the lady, like, hey, why is it only 99 cents? And she said, oh, it expires in two weeks. And I'm like, yeah. milk doesn't even last a day in my house. <laughs> like, what? So, anyways, like. He's just, I like, was, double fisting milk. <laughs> like, cow's milk. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, I, I, like, I had this wonderful experience. I go to New York. And New York is the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. It is so expensive to it, live. It is. It is eight dollars a gallon right it's not fifteen dollars but it's definitely eight dollars which especially where the area that i was at i was on 42nd hundred and broadway okay and and in new york it's not about how fancy you live it's all about location Mm -hmm. so like my studio apartment was no bigger than someone's kitchen yeah right and it and it was thirty two hundred a month that's (laughs) <laughs> that was in 2013. And uh, so after three months of living in New York, I pretty much like looked for a place here uh, out here in Arizona. And I asked the music company, hey, if I could find something in Arizona, would you guys be OK with that? And then they said yes right away. Wow. Yep. And I found a place, literally booked it and then came here to Arizona. And the only time I ever went there uh, was to go to like physical uh, physical interactions with right. the group. Right. Uh, other than that, Cisco was a thing. You remember mm-hmm. Cisco? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So Cisco Skype and everything yep, of that sort yep. was still a thing. So we could do that. We couldn't do that in Samoa because Samoa had really bad internet. Mm. But now being in Arizona, we could actually Skype and everything of a sort. So that was easier for me. And, and then I, like later down the line, I ended up uh, leaving the music industry. Okay, and but I ended up staying in Arizona. What I kind of music it. was it? I'm so it was it was all different types of genres sure. I was writing for. I was writing for country, believe it or not. Okay, and I was writing for hip hop and jazz. So that was the three main okay. uh, things that I wrote for. Did you have any like big song, like like something that like the common person would know? So. I worked on a weekend song. So I, there's this uh, artist called The Weeknd. Okay. So I worked on that uh, that particular song. It was uh, it was called Or Not, but it was it, it's a part of my life that I did not like, to be <laughs> honest with you, <laughs> because I was like, man, like this is not. I I wrote music because of the fact that I loved writing music. Right. When I got to the music industry, I quickly realized no one's there for the music. Right. 
man, I was like, I am such a small fish in mm -hmm. such a vast pond that I just realized once when I stepped in it, it was a swamp. Yep. And that's where yep. it was like, oh, man, I need to leave. And yeah. I, le I need to leave before I'm submerged in this. Right. That's kind of the beauty of, like, the rise of the independent stuff. Yeah. You know, like. There's a lot more people that can do it for the love of the art. Yes. And you can get really good stuff. Yeah, you know, like it's harder to find. Yeah. Because now everybody can do it. Yep. But it's not just the money and the hollow. Yeah. You know, so like there's yeah. some soul. Oh, yeah. The soul now. Yeah. So that's, that's, I still find it interesting that a gallon of milk <laughs> yeah, got is, me the, is the, <laughs> is the positive experience that, that got you to Arizona. Okay. So <laughs> let's just keep, let's just keep on the, on the professional journey. How did you get from, Quitting music in Arizona to jujitsu and bartending. So jujitsu, jujitsu or not? Are the the bartending uh, came a little bit later, but jujitsu was in my life because Muay Thai was in my life. Okay. So Muay Thai, I've I've been training Muay Thai since I was nine years old. Is that big and small? Like it is big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kickboxing, fighting in in itself is big back in the islands. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, you know how street fights happen here in America and everything of a sort? It is not the way that you think street fights happen in Samoa or in the islands. Really? Oh, yeah. Think about a sanctioned UFC fight, mm -hmm. and that's a street fight in Samoa. Really? I'm not even kidding, dude. Like, people will stay back. No one's going to jump in. Everyone's going to be really respectful. Right. If that person gets caught, uh, what you call it, the, at the end of the day, they'll shake hands uh, after the fight. Sometimes you just need a little tough love, and that's pretty much why we get into these type it's of fights. It's like old school honor culture. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely like that. Uh, it, there's no cheap shots or anything of a sort. It's straight like, who knows more in, in street fights back home. Okay. So with that being said, I I am, I am probably the smallest Samoan you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Because I always say this to people, man. And I can say this because I'm Samoan. I always say this. An average Samoan is 6'3", 300 pounds with a mustache. It's a big dude. Yeah. But that's our women. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's messed up, man. There's, like everybody was on board and everyone's like, oh, no. No, no, no. So, but hey, man, you just don't mess with our women or our men, you know? You just never tell. But <laughs> with that being said, man, like that, that is our people. And our pe I am definitely the runt of our people. Like I can honestly say that. But with that being said, uh, my grandmother... And like we'll go down this long line. My grandmother uh, put me in ballroom dancing. Okay. Yep. So she wanted her son to have ballroom dancing lessons and everything of the sort. So I learned foxtrots and everything of the sort. And then my grandfather was like, this kid is going to get bullied when he's in school. When you're foxtrotting. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you're, exactly. You're going to get beat up. Yeah. Exactly. So he's like, I, he needs to be put in something. So he put me in Muay Thai. So that was my grandfather okay. and I's thing. So I did Muay Thai from nine all the way to 18 years old. Okay. Uh, at 18, though, my grandfather passed away. And my love for the sport, like, dwindled off. Mm -hmm. Because I quickly realized I didn't do it because I loved the sport. I actually did it because I loved my uh, relationship with my grandfather. Goodbye, yeah. And that's essentially what it was. Um, so 
Fast forward to here, I move here. I haven't been doing uh, Muay Thai for like four years after that. And I found this uh, this other gym that offered Muay Thai kickboxing and jujitsu. And what ended up happening was I mistakenly went to a class that I thought it was kickboxing, but it was the Nogi Jiu-Jitsu class. Oh, okay. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I might as well give it a try. Yeah. And I went up against this like four foot eight guy, wrapped me up in a pretzel. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew like jujitsu is the best. <laughs> like, right, right. No matter whatever type of training that I had from nine to 18 does not amount to the small jujitsu that this guy literally just did right, to me. Right. And that's when I knew like, man, this is this is where I want to mm-hmm. be. This is what I want to do. Uh, and slowly but surely, Sean and I uh, actually were in the same team uh, when all of that happened. And then slowly, him and I branched out, or he branched out, and then I just followed along Sean. Okay. And then, yeah, we Sean's just the owner of Lotus? Sean is the owner okay. of Lotus Club, yep. Okay. Sean is not only the owner of Lotus Club, but he's also the head coach of Lotus Club Arizona. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So he's super nice, man. Like, all of this all happened because of a dream that he had. And he allowed it to be materialized by help of all of his coaches and honestly the support of the community. Mm-hmm. Because everyone believed in Sean. And I mean, rightfully so. Look at what he's done so far. Right. You know, right. and he's built an empire. And that's the biggest thing that, that I feel like people need to understand because he was at the time probably the only American that was really like trotting to start being the best in jujitsu, not just the best uh, American to do jujitsu, right. but just being the best uh, person to do jujitsu out of the state of Arizona. Right. And man, he, he's definitely lived up to his hype for sure. That's cool. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, like I've, I've seen gyms and things open and close, and it's always people think that they go because of the lessons or because of the information or any of that stuff, but it's not. And like, in a, you know, I work the corporate world during the day, and I tell people all the time, I was like, look, no, nobody works for the company. They work for their boss. Yes. Right? And it's the person that determines everything, right? Like that's where your loyalty goes. That's where yeah. everything, it goes to the person that you interact with the most, yep. not the company. Yes. And so, like, when you have somebody who's legit, like, it just breeds loyalty and, and culture and all of the things just kind of outflow from them. Yes. And if they can support it with good people, which it looks like Lotus Club is doing really well, yep. like, you have something that can stick around for a little while and actually make an impact on people's lives. 100%. Uh, Coach Sean Downey has done a wonderful job of leading from the front, like, that's his biggest thing. Like, he will never tell you to do something that he would not do. Yeah. You know, and that's the biggest thing. And that's why people jump to the fire for this guy. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that he would absolutely th- jump through the fire, turn that fire off, just so everybody else can start walking through that right. path. Right. And that's the type of guy he is. And then it just so happens that uh, the people believe in him so much that this is where we're at now. Right. You know, right. and this empire that he has built has definitely brought him this success. So That's awesome, man. I'm so, super thankful to be a part of it. How uh, how does bartending, because you mentioned that you were oh, like well, a, a yeah. top bar, top, like, uh, what you Number say? one bartender right now. Bartender. So I'm the number one private bartender. Private bartender, here. that yeah. was the word. How 
how did that come about? Like, how did you mix that in? <laughs> like, that's kind of like offshoot. Like, that's really. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, jujitsu, Muay Thai, martial arts in general was kind of like my side hobby thing. Like, that's that was like a hobby thing that I just uh, I knew that I was good at and I didn't want to waste it. You sure, know, sure. And I was looking for a job after the music industry. I knew I didn't want to. Um, I knew I didn't want to do music anymore. I just finished a fifty-state tour. For wow. oh, dude, that. So let's go to that real fast. Okay. Um, there was this time when I wrote a song and I pitched it to the music uh, to the music company that I was working for, mm-hmm. and they did not want to give it to anybody else. I had this idea. Which does not sounded crazy at the time. Does not sound crazy now. But I had this idea to mix rap music and electronic music together, and I I thought to myself like, man, dubstep music and rap music could sound so good because rock music and rap music with Linkin Park sound amazing. Yeah, you know, and I was mashups like, can work really well. Really and it brings well. two totally different demographics together. Oh yeah. yeah. So with that being said. I like pretty much try to tell this music industry or this music company, like, hey, listen, this would be great. Yeah. Like, send this out to somebody else. Excuse me. And they're just like, nah, I don't think so. Like, I'm like, you know what? Then I'll I'll just do it. I'll I'll do the song. I'll record the song. I'll send it out myself. I'll make a music video for it. I'll just have it for myself. Right. You know, thought nothing of it. Yahoo Music, uh, Yahoo uh, at that year, at that time, they uh, they started creating their music platform to rival against Apple Music. Okay. So Yahoo Music was just uh, reached out to me and like, hey, love your song. Do you mind if your song will be the first song that they uh, that people see on the landing page? Like, do I mind? <laughs> like, yes, please. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, that's where my start of of the push of my uh, my okay. song came about. It uh, and the song was called Rocket. And when Rocket ended up going there, a um, tour manager or tour sponsor ended up reaching out to me and said, like, Hey, you're an Islander. I'm an Islander myself. We have a bunch of Islander artists that is about to go on tour right now. Would you actually want to be a part of this lineup? Mind you, I only have one song. <laughs> and I'm like, what else am I going to do with this? But I said yes, because I, I didn't have anything. Why not? Yeah, I was like, why not? I have nothing anchoring me right now. Everything is completely fine. And then there, uh, I ended up saying yes. And then they took me on this journey, and man, this it, it, it was the best experience of my life. Uh, I definitely went through a lot of struggles after that, mm-hmm. but it was a eye opener for me on what I truly what what I truly did not want to do for the rest of my life mm. because I experienced it. I was like, you know what? I had enough. This yeah. was good. This was this was. My little spark of fame or taste of fame that I did not want to taste. And yeah. that's where I pulled back. Um, but with that being said, I went into a really big, deep depression after that. And I did not want to see anybody. But right when I started um, coming out to the world again and st- I started interacting with people, I started noticing that I had a stutter. 
and that stutter was it was it, it felt so bad that I had to see a psychiatrist for it and I ended up seeing a therapist for it and then the therapist was pretty much telling me like hey have you ever thought about serving like no I've never thought of like well maybe serving can help you get over your fear of talking to people because you're going to constantly see different faces. Right. And so when you... Exposure therapy, basically. Exactly. And that's essentially where it is. I'm like, well, I never thought about that. Mind you, I've never served in my life before. And by God, uh, I went into this place. uh, Surprisingly enough, or coincidentally enough, it was a brewery, a restaurant. Hired me on the spot as a server. And that place helped me so much and it only took me four months to get behind the bar. Normally, it gets mm. uh, two years, but I was—I ended up getting my groove back. I ended up becoming super friendly with people and everything yeah. of sort. Yeah. That they're like, you know what? He's ready for the bar. And then from there, they uh, like this place hooked me up so much. They—they they gave me a license to pour, like wow. a certification—a uh, certification to, uh, to become a certified bartender. And that I could actually certify myself to actually, yeah. because it was a, a brewing place, right? So they had all these certifications that as a bartender, not only did you have to be certified to pour for people, but you also have to have this like semi um, pouring phase where you have to be like a brewing master. Like you have to know what's inside your beer. Mm-hmm. So they gave us all that class. Normally um, that like class. The Cicerone? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, we did the Cicerone like a couple of years ago. So oh, like we're sort no of like, way. yeah, AJ and I are both like level one certified Cicerone. No yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, absolutely that. And normally it would cost like ginormous money that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And the entire company paid for it. So, and it was really, really nice. So, uh, almost a decade later, and I'm still using, uh, utilizing that certification as a bartender. And now I can just, uh, uh, like, people can hire me in events and everything of a sort. People can hire me for the weddings. It's funny how, like, your hobby became your job, and your job became became your hobby. hobby. (laughs) It's kind of funny how it works out that way. (laughs) Oh, dude, that's so nice. I never thought about it that way. But, yeah, that's absolutely what happened. And I love what I do. I love everything that that I've done so far. I know God has a bigger purpose for me. Mm -hmm. But so far right now, I'm loving what I'm doing currently at the moment. Nice. Which, that's kind of a good segue. So tell me a little bit about, like, your like your faith journey like is christianity like a big thing back on the island like is that like yeah believing in jesus is one of the biggest things and not only that there's a lot of uh different really yeah it's there's a lot of different religions uh back home or back in samoa the uh, there's lds which is Mm latter-day saints right there's also catholic catholic is a really big uh, religion there and there's aog aog is assembly of god Okay. Uh, and then, which is, and then there's unorthodox Christian. Okay. Is, is normally over there. My family is unorthodox Christian. We were Catholic first, and then we converted into unorthodox Christian. Uh, but the main, uh, the main religion back home is either Methodist or LDS. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, uh, but no, I am a strong believer in Christ. Uh, I. To, to a, uh, not even to a point, but like to a point where I dig deep into like rabbit holes with mm-hmm. this. I am not a believer in congregations, if that makes sense. 
Not really. But um, uh, what I, do you mean? I, I'm not a big believer in religion. Like it, you're talking about like formalized formalized okay. religions, uh, like Catholic, being uh, uh, like being being called a Christian now could mean so many things. Mm-hmm. I feel like right, like there's so many like back home, Assembly of God and Pentecostal is completely different things, but yet they speak the same thing. It's I was gonna say weird. That's, that is weird because they're they're actually the same thing. Yes, <laughs> and is and that's where where it's at. Where it's like. This church will say something and will believe in this part. This church will say the exact same thing, but reverse the what it's saying. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's where it came across for me. I, I think for me, what turned me off with that was not more so the religion, but the people that were in it. Was there like confrontation between the denominations there? Or? No, not and not, not really. really. No, no okay. not really. Everyone stayed in their own lane. Okay. Um, what it was, it, it was honestly just personal. It was it, it was more personal for myself because I was a black sheep of my family. I was definitely like being the black sheep of, uh, of your family, let alone being a black sheep in a uh, period. It's no joke. Right. You know. Right. Um, but. It's so crazy because of the fact that I was always the teenage kid that never hid what I would did, uh, what I would do, and I would do all of these things with my friends and my cousins that literally would show up on Sunday the very next day, acting like they were all holy, and I never could get that. I never, I never thought to myself like, man, I should pretend like this is right. who I am as a person. Right. And I got shunned for it. I got labeled a black sheep of my family because of that. But it was just me thinking to myself, like, if I'm going to be holy for God or if I'm going to stand out and uh, put myself apart, I'm going to be ready for it. You just kind of own what you did. 100%. And then that's, yeah. yeah. You know, that's it's funny because that that is n- not an uncommon story. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I still remember like the first time like I was interacting with this uh, group of girls from they were in Bible college. Right. And then like I was hanging out with them in this group and then um, I'm like all the stuff starts coming out right and they're getting ready to party and I'm like hang on hang on I thought I was rolling with Bible, <laughs> yeah, Bible college dude. girls yeah. like, like what is going on here this is not the type of party I thought we were going to do <laughs> like, I'm out like this this doesn't make sense like yeah. what you say and what you're doing they don't reconcile, they reconcile. it's like just because you do it on this side doesn't make it okay that you do it on this side. There's, yes. It's not like a scale that you have to balance with badness and goodness. Be like, yes. oh, I was really good, so yeah. I can be really bad. You oh, know? yeah. Like, and, it, it, and it's funny that you should be saying it like that because I feel like a lot of people think like that. Like, it, that's a common thought where if I've done this much good, I've saved this much deeds, <laughs> now I'm about to, like... like, credit and yeah. Like, you can just, like, run the card. Now I can go buy... <laughs> Exactly. I can go buy some bad behavior. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not right. <laughs> oh man, that drives me a little crazy. But I get it. You know, like yeah. that's it's all. It's always the people. Like I tell, I tell it to people all the time. I'd be like, because like Catholics, like I'm confirmed Catholic. AJ's Catholic. Yes. Like, people come in there and they'll be like have all these problems with Catholic. I'd be like, you don't have a problem with Catholicism. Yes. Because. You probably don't actually, not you specifically. No, right, no, right, no, right? yeah. Like the royal you. Yep. You probably don't know what they actually believe. What you have a problem with is the people that you interacted with. Yes. And the distinction is very hard to make because the religion, the faith is the people, right? The yes. church is not a thing. It's the 
group of people that make up the body, right? So, like, it's the people yeah. that actually you're interacting with, yes. and that's what demonstrates the bride of Christ to the world. And so, like, you, it's really hard to separate the system yes. of belief yep. from the people who are acting stupid yes. within that system, you know? Like, nobody's perfect, yep. but, like, that's just how we interact with them. You know, that's how we interact with the body. 100%. And then that's where it brings it back full circle where I say, like, I'm a strong believer in Christ, but not the congregation. And which uh, I'm maybe not knowing what uh, the definition of congregation mean, but literally is what you're saying. Like, it's the people that ruined it for me. Like, me going to church is not me going to church anymore. It's me going to church and seeing all of these people pretending like this is what their life looks mm. like. And that's what I don't stand for. Because, man, if you want to live like Christ, then live like Christ. Right. But you can't just live like Christ on the weekend or on Sunday and then think that all of your sins that you're accumulating throughout the week is all forgiven. Like, man, how many times are you going to do that? Right. You know, and like, I get it. Like, our, our father is, is definitely a forgiving uh, father. But... At the end of the day, how many times is dad going to tell you don't touch the stove for you to lose your hand? Right. You know, and yep. that's where it's at for myself yeah. because I feel like everyone is pretty much playing with borrowed time and mm -hmm. thinking like they can get away with it. But, man, at the end of the day, if you're hitting that over and over and over again and then that amount of time where you just put that uh, that hand there and then it's that time where it's like, all right, there's no more sins being, being forgiven now. Yeah. Like, well, oh, it'll be like, it. it'll be behavior. Like, if you think it's the actions that matter and you get up there and you look Christ in the face and he's going to be like, I don't know you. I don't know you. Man, I, I yes. I don't know you. I don't know you. And you're going to be like, but, but I, and he's like, I don't yeah. know. Who you, do yeah. you know me? Yeah. Because I don't know you. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's going to, yeah. that's going to be a bad day. Yes. You know? it literally, literally, it says in the Bible, when, when you get up to heaven and when you try to like, uh, like, set your case and saying like oh i did all of this in your name yep, i yep. did all of this and literally jesus said he will say depart from me i do not know you yep like, yeah man. it's a big difference man so then okay so you kind of had that growing up like obviously you were aware of it because your family was yes was in the church um, i was rebellious but you were the rebellious right one yep. right like when did that change come? yeah when did you come out of that phase uh it actually happened recently Recently, okay. as an, uh, as an adult, so as a as a child, I was uh, I was actually in boarding school, and it was a religious boarding school. It was a Catholic religious boarding school. So we learned like we had religion as a period. Like I, like in yeah. America, there's not even a thing anymore, right? Like is that not even not in public school? Not in public yeah. school. Okay, yeah, yeah. In in, in uh, our school, we had religion as a like it's a requirement to read the Bible. Yeah. You know, so I had these scriptures. I, I've learned all of these scriptures as a child, though. It's just like one plus one. Like you don't need one plus one as an adult sometimes right. or algebra for that mm -hmm. matter. Right. And in, in most cases. But that's how I thought of the Bible. Where it's mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm just studying for it. As I became an adult, I started realizing a lot of the things that I've been taught as a child really meant a lot for me now mm. um a lot it set me up for success and allowed me to realize oh that's what proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6 meant right and right. that like okay 
okay. And then everything started clicking. Um, obviously, a major thing happened in my life. It was roughly around uh, COVID uh, time and everything of a sort. So uh, just touch a little bit about that was I ended up, um, so I almost died. For, uh, I almost died. My wife did die and got uh, like on the uh, operation table and then they actually brought her back. Shut up. Yep. This is this entire thing all happened in one month and in like uh, from COVID or from no 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 from uh, from sorry if I'm allowed to ask no 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 like, you like... absolutely uh, absolutely so all right so uh, let's back up and tell you this story the gym was getting very successful even during COVID I had uh, my grandmother was about to pass this lady raised me I never had a father my mother wasn't really always there. Mm-hmm. My grandparents raised me. Okay. I miss my grandfather's uh, funeral and uh, not funeral, but his passing. And I was thinking to myself, I'm about to uh, miss my grandmother's. I had two choices. It's either I go say goodbye to my grandmother or I stay back and fulfill this purpose of Lotus Club and help it rise up to the ranks because I knew something was going to happen in Lotus Club because before uh, what you see now, we had only 150 students um, and we feel, I could feel it. I could feel like something was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if I leave now, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to either find a, see the success or be a part of it. It's going to leave you behind. 100%. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, what will my grandma think? What will my grandfather think? And I thought to myself, well, my grandmother would, uh, would tell me to, to live my life and to fulfill this purpose that I'm living right now. Mm-hmm. Because I tried for a full year to help Lotus Club. And now when it's about to peak, I'm about to not see it. Mm-hmm. Just so I can see my grandmother, which is absolutely important. Anyways, long story short, I chose to stay here. My grandmother ended up passing. The gym became successful, as it is right now. Yep. And my heart and my mind was breaking because my family turned against me, saying, you know, like, you should have been there. Right. You know, you were her child and everything of a sort. So, like, hearing everybody say that it did not help at all. Right. Uh, I was going through a really bad depression to the point where I ended up seeing another psychiatrist gave me a antidepressant mm. that I didn't know that was a diuretic, which ended up making me severe uh, dehydrated. Right. I didn't know that, uh, that that was the case. I was sweating a lot to the point where every time I stepped, you could see my footprints because of my sweat underneath oh, wow. my feet. Yeah. But I didn't know what was going on because I've never taken a pill like that ever. Right. Like the biggest. The, Those things my, are nuts, man. They're, they're crazy. Yes. Yeah. So And he never told me that it was a diuretic, nor did he ever tell me that I need to be drinking a lot of water. That drives me crazy, man. Yeah. They, they prescribe and they don't prepare people for what it does no. to them. So yeah. keep in mind, right, I work at a gym. I work right. at a martial arts gym, which requires me to work out, right. right? So if a gallon of water is what you should be taking you need to. as an athlete, yeah, mm-hmm. you should. I, I should be drinking too. 
Anyways, long story short, I ended up passing out and dry heaving and feeling like my, my body was, was shrinking out of nowhere. Ended up taking to my uh, to the hospital. They did a urine test on me, and I'm not kidding. Just a tad uh, level down of shade of this was my urine. It was bad. It was dark. Like it was like it, it was so so bad. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. And I just told them I just need IV, regardless. And then we finally got me back, and we finally realized it was actually the pills, mm-hmm. and the pills were or, or were the reason why I stopped it. I stopped it cold turkey. Yeah. All of this is happening, and we were trying to figure out. My wife was so concerned of my health and my depression that she didn't realize she was internally bleeding throughout this entire process of her helping her husband. So she was slowly internally bleeding, and we didn't know. So she just thought that, you know, it was just her time of the month. But the time of the month went up to three weeks, three weeks to four weeks, and then four weeks to, uh, to the fifth week. By the fifth week, all I heard was a big thump inside the shower. And it was my wife passed out. Hmm. And then we tried to take her to the hospital. And then they were like, oh, her, um, I, I, I don't know the term for it, but pretty much what happened is uh, she, she was pregnant, but the baby burst one of her ovaries. Oh, wow. And that's what caused the bleeding yeah. and that she actually had to take that out. And on the surgery table, her heart stopped for like a good two minutes. And then they brought her back. And the girl you see now, my wife that you see now, is a completely different person that you see before she died. And the guy you see before you is a completely different guy that I, uh, that I would have been. It's, I was not as nice as I am now, mm-hmm. nor was I ever this much intuitive as far as paying attention to people than ever before so going back to what we were saying about like hey how uh how do you remember dude i I don't know this happened out of nowhere but at the point i can actually explain now where oh it's because of the fact that i've remembered other people's names Mm -hmm. and now it's just it's a no-brainer for me i can remember what you ate last week or last month and what we were talking about i can even tell you here's no joke i can also tell you that you were holding your pen and your right hand writing your notes inside a book that looked like a bible that had the italian red sauce and then i believe was it um it was a pasta that looked like a pillow with oregano on top <laughs> yeah i was reading my italian <laughs> recipe book yeah, yeah, yeah. there we go dude so and that's like I could see it. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know where this photographic memory came from. Well, I don't want to say I don't know. But ever since that night and moving forward, our life changed. Hmm. And our life changed after that moment. And we knew right away we had to see God. That was God's smack in the face for us. See me now. Mm-hmm. See me now because we have a purpose for you or I have a purpose for you. And this is a time where you need to start fulfilling your purpose. And that's that's where all of this journey began. And then you just went. Yes. Yeah, wow. I trusted in him. I trusted so much in him. And the being led by faith is an understatement.